Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios of Relate365.com, and I'm with Zach Ellis, who I'm with every once in a while. He's a good friend. Grew up here on the grounds of Silver Birch Ranch. Welcome, Zach. Hey, hey, good to be back again. Hey, tell us about what you're doing. What do you do? What does Zach Ellis do uh, other than visit up here? Technically, I carry a camera around all over the place in a little bag uh, and then carry myself around in a van. And I guess call that being a photographer, but it's it's different and, and unexpected every day. Half so the are time, you nomadic? Very nomadic, oh, yeah, right, highly cool. nomadic. Cool. Modern day uh, nomad. Living out of a yeah, living out of a vehicle means you can kind of show up and be anywhere, anytime, as long as there's good enough reason to be there. So, what what's your passion? Why are you doing this? I think, um, man, I probably have dissected this like seventeen different ways. Well, just give me one of them. Well, I mean, I could kind of blame it on this place in some ways. Growing right. up at camp, you have influx of people coming in on the weekends and then leaving, but it's always new people showing up to where you are. But if you don't live in that environment anymore, now I kind of bring the weekend of new people to my life by bringing myself to new places often. Okay. So, and, and do you tell a story with the pictures? Is that what you're doing? Or what are you doing? Why, why pictures? I think, you know, the camera really serves as an interesting tool in the world today when there's not always a lot of legitimate reasons to be connected to somebody or to spend time with somebody. Like if you sit and, and, and if I were to try to sit in front of you and just look at your eyes and not say anything, not do anything for a while, it would start to feel weird pretty quick. Right. Meaning like in order to sit around people, you need at least a reason to do so. Otherwise, we kind of like our space whatever that is. And the camera gives an amazing reason in our culture, literally, where you can show up. I don't know you. You don't know me, but I have a camera. And if I seem nice and I have at least two photos to prove I've taken photos, then people are very trusting, accepting, interested. It feels a little bit like a magic carpet that you get to ride into places that I normally wouldn't have good reason to go to. Yeah. And so do you take, uh, do you take photos for people they call you and want you to do something? Or do you just run around, take pictures, and try and put them somewhere where people want them? I mean, how do you, how do you survive? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a combination of projects, which it kind of feeds itself. Sometimes I'm shooting stuff just for whatever would be interesting to me um, or what I think would be interesting and, and beautiful for others to look at. And that could go for gallery, which would be print sales or even just having a show in the gallery. But usually I'm booking a project with somebody which brings me to a place and then while you're there you always have margin in between especially when you don't live there every moment you're not working also needs to be filled with something so there's a lot of time spent shooting for projects that are paid ahead of time where I know like I have money coming in so there's going to be gas and food money and everything else to be covered and then I get to fill in with all the other stuff that I would like to shoot regardless okay but they don't really operate without one without the other I think about that a lot like if you make it in some ways as an artist where you can wake up and choose to do whatever you want to do in every given day and then there's an audience that follows it and says well whatever he shoots like that's kind of my thing so i'll support it that's a lot of space to go well not anything needs to happen today but something has to yeah do you do video or just stills i do video as well but video is an enormous amount of additional work yeah. uh so in some ways i i don't want to avoid it it's like higher margins but it's way more work yeah so if somebody listening today says, boy, I, I'd love to tell my story in pictures or I got this idea, would you be available to talk to them? Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah. that's, you, you, you kind of help people do that. I, you know, personally, I would say that Zach's extremely creative. So if you, if you need to tell a story, he's, he could be somebody you consult with and figure out how to say it 
in pictures or video or or other ways you know i i have no idea because yeah. creativity and on the art side goes way beyond me i'm a word guy so whatever it is uh yeah it's an amazing you, how, how would someone get a hold of you do you have a website i do yeah it's uh, just my name zach with an h so technically zach but zach yeah, ellis zach. yeah, yeah. Zach Ellis photography.com and all the contact information is there. Um, but yeah, when I work with a client um, or with anybody, uh, almost always there's an enormous amount of time spent before any camera, any light, any piece of gear gets pulled out. Usually the client that I'm working with is surprised by the amount of time we need to spend with pen and paper in conversation about well, what, what is the thing underneath the thing that you're trying to say or do? Okay. And so it is in many ways, it's working with people that I'm no genius, but observing this process and doing it over and over where you're trying to take the uniqueness of somebody's life or story, but then find those, you could say like archetypal points that everybody recognizes within a story. It's like the story that we're all living, but keep it specific to the person. It's a very delicate thing to be taking real details from somebody's life and then trying to effectuate something specific, which means we have to mold this in a way that an audience who doesn't know you will still connect with it. Right. And that is an, it's an enormous amount of work that's a lot of fun because it asks inherently deeper questions about right. why you would do anything. Why would you give yourself your time, your energy, your focus to something so niche as telling a story, except, well, that's what we do perpetually. Yeah, you know, I, I love the way you say niche because my generation said niche. Niche, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just for the, if I start saying niche, I mean niche. There we <laughs> so go. So whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, you, it's interesting, you like kids? I do, yeah. yeah. I know, I've seen you with kids, you're good with kids. Would you ever have, uh, you know, right now, because of all the craziness in the country, a lot of people are, are trying to figure out, high school kids, whatever, what can I teach them at home? Would you ever go and help some kid learn to be creative in pictures or whatever that might be, is that, are you available for that kind of thing? And, and of course with the fee, whatever, I, I don't even know what it would be, but are you yeah. available? Cause I think you'd be excellent at it. Have you ever done that? I've done, um, I think it's, it's been more just, um, I wouldn't say on the side cause I wanted, I give as much attention and focus as I can. I think on, on a lot of the pla places and people that I meet, everybody has similar questions of you're doing a weird thing. How are you surviving doing that? Because yeah. it's, it's an intangible that nobody ne like necessarily needs and yet you're doing it. So when I meet anybody that shows interest, even if it has nothing to do with photography, if it's, and I was just reading, um, uh, my, uh, my mom just got me a book, Surprised by Joy, uh, with right. C.S. Lewis. Right. And he talks in there a little bit about maintaining, um, maintaining a, like a sensitive enough sentiment to observe the world as it actually is and to still maintain hope in the midst of, in the midst of everything else that is wrong, that is difficult, that is painful. And so maybe that's a part of being an artist is knowing that things aren't right in many ways, but there's still beauty to be found and celebrated and exposed, even if you want to get, you know, punny about the camera. Right, right. And when I meet anybody at all that shows interest in that, it's like, it's a thing that you can see where you go, oh, you might otherwise be called somebody who's too sensitive, who's, who sees the, uh, some of the layers in the world that others might just gloss over because it's almost too hard to look at something pure and sweet and lovely in the midst of pain. Right. Uh, and that's, yeah, I mean, it's a long answer to say, if there's opportunity to celebrate that, to name it as a, ne like a necessary uh, function in the world for, for people specifically to be, to be giving their lives and their work to that, um, I think that's something yeah. that I would love working alongside of people. Yeah. Well, I, I think right now there's, there's, there's uh, opportunities because of the extreme amount of people that are going to be homeschooling. And they actually want their young people to have a challenge yeah not to just 
go through the motions. And some, someone like yourself, if you came in for a little bit, you might be able to give them a spark, you know, be able to do some things. And one of the fun things that we've talked about and that, that you know I believe and that any Christian should believe is that God made us with a, a certain desire in our hearts. I mean, he gave us certain abilities, certain talents. Uh, I've told people so often that for the last 40 years, um, I haven't gone to work. Mm. You know, I, I enjoy what I do. Mm-hmm. So I just get up and do what I do. And I, and I think at the end of the day, pff, isn't that funny? Somebody pays me for this. You know, and I, I've been on vacation for 40 years in a sense where I just go do what I enjoy doing. I mean, I enjoy teaching. That's what I enjoy doing. So I have three podcasts and I do this. I do, like, that's what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. So somehow I was able to just focus on what God had me do. There was a rough period. I mean, early I was a teacher in a school. Uh, for three years in Chicago. And when I was doing that, I realized, okay, I love the teaching, but I don't love math or science. I, I don't love that teaching. I love the kids, but I don't love the subjects. And, and I, I had this internal struggle because I just loved the idea of teaching and I hated what I was teaching. And I thought, forget that. And so my wife and I then just quit our jobs. We were both teachers, moved up here and started the year round work here where we could teach the things that. I think we're important to teach that without compromise. And I've never been sorry for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was able to pursue something that God put on my heart and be able to do it. And now that I'm 64, I look back on it and go, that's what I think young people should do. They should find something in life that they would actually do for nothing. Mm-hmm. Do it well. Well, that's been a lot of this uh, photography in well, the beginning is doing it for nothing. Eventually, and, though. Right. But there eventually. is. A, and it's something that I think maybe to that point, if you, it can't just be anything. But if there is the thing that you feel like your skill set, the tool that you can be as a human can meet a specific challenge in the world. For me, there is no better juice than that. Like whatever it is to get me up on Monday. And it's not to say the world owes me any favors to wake me up, but there is specific things I think that do enliven, invigorate humans in an undeniable way where I've met people that like, especially on this, this the last series that I just shot, which starting in New York and then driving across the country and landing in LA, observing an enormously, like a wide array of different people, different ways of living life, different approaches, different sentiments. And in L.A., where I just happened to get into a pool of people that had made it according to the world standards, and they were kind of set, like they had their bases covered, financially set, and doing the thing that, quote unquote, they wanted to do. But along the way, there was a couple projects that I was trying to invite some of those people in on, and they're very altruistic in nature. There was no money to be made. It was going to be an enormous amount of work, plus all the drama that comes with it. And I'll never forget, this is not that long ago, a guy that I don't know very well said, since we've started talking about this project, I can't, like, I can't remember the last time that I have felt this much energy. And this, this gentleman, uh, he's not a believer. He's not somebody that would really reference faith in his context. And yet still giving yourself to something that was altruistic in nature. So for the benefit of people, without gain for yourself, in a group of people. And it was undeniable for him that something had shifted in his life where he said, I have been feeling depressed for I don't know how long, but everything is perfect in his life. And then this, which is a risk, which is no money, working with a group of people, probably going to get messy anyway, and for the benefit of something, it's, it's selfless. It's close as you can right. get. And he said, my life feels like, like something happened, something changed. Right. It's brighter. It's lighter. I have more energy. Yeah. You go, well, that, if that's the case, then how much more so when almost everything you do in a given day can be attached to an outcome 
that isn't just about you, but still cares for your needs as well. Right. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Right. Well, it, when you look at Christ, too, in the example, here, here he is, the creator and sustainer of the world, and he came to serve. Mm-hmm. So he was showing us how people live, and he served. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So that's very important to understand. If, if we're going to be okay, we need to have the mind frame of, okay, God said two things. Jesus said, love the Lord your God, love each other. That's what you do. So what if we focused on that instead of just making money? Would God take care of us? Mm-hmm. And I say, yes, he would. Now, the, the problem with that is in America saying he'll take care of you, and then you say, at what level? But if, that's, I'm not going there. You know, I had a guy last year, you, you'll find it amusing because you grew up here, but a guy came by and um, a guy listens to the radio and that kind of thing, and, and I was just showing him after the storm, you know, the aftermath. Went by my house, said, oh, I live over there. He goes, really, that's your house? And I said, why? It's so small. I thought, oh, really? Huh. My wife and I were talking about it. it's too big. We only have two of us in this house. You know, we got three bedrooms. And it's like, you know, it, I, I got to sometimes call and find out where she is, you know, because yeah. she's somewhere in the house. So everything's perspective mm-hmm. on people. Someone in my position should have a big house, I guess, and all kinds of stuff. I don't. The fun thing is when you're free from the idea of money, you're able to serve the way you should whoever comes. And the Bible makes that clear when it talks to those in ministry and says, if somebody comes in and they're, they're wealthy and influential and you give them the front seat and somebody comes in and they're not going to help you give them the back seat, you're sinning. That's not what you do. You treat people the same. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that you treat people um, in, in a harsher way. No, you treat everybody the same. That's what you do. And by the way, at the end, you're going to get paid something, most likely, because mm-hmm. that's the biblical principle. It, you know, you don't muzzle the ox. You know, some people aren't going to get paid much. Uh, talking to missionaries that go overseas sometimes, it's that the most effective missionaries live in the communities in which they serve, and they take the salaries the same as the communities they serve. Mm-hmm. And they live the way the communities they serve live. Now, they may have more money in a bank so they could fly back to the United States. I mean, they may have contingency funds because they have to get on a 747 and come back here. But other than that, they live as if. I've also been overseas where I've been in houses surrounded by fences, barbed wire, guards, and, and the missionaries hire all the natives to do their work. Mm-hmm. So they give them work. Those guys aren't effective in their communities. Everyone wants their money and everybody wants Christianity so they can be rich. You know, now, again, one of the things I think that you're free, and I'm encouraging all young people to think about being free in life. Mm-hmm. God made you a certain way. Enjoy the way he made you. And if you end up being the, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, be generous. And if you end up being somebody who's a janitor at a, at a, a Christian elementary school, barely making it, don't complain. Yeah. Enjoy your life and do what God put in your life to do. Because the goal isn't money. It's, it's actually, the, the goal is I want to, Honor God, and I want to love people. And I can do that, rich or poor, no matter what my ethnicity, no matter what my culture. Those are commonalities for everybody. We can do that. So in my case, I can do it right here. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can go and 
I see paper on the ground. I can pick it up because somebody else has come behind me. I want to make sure they don't see this garbage. Whatever it might be, I can right. I can do that, or you can do that. Is it a model? Is whatever the way that you're living can a seven year old both keep asking why, and hopefully you can keep producing reasons for whatever it is, and they could hopefully model that behavior. Absolutely. That's a pretty easy metric to go. Can a seven year old look at you and then do what you're doing, and it will work out for their benefit? That's a, I mean, it's both a very difficult thing to pull off like in perpetuity, but it's really simple. I and mean, to your point, we were talking earlier that the, the second that you start deviating from the simple truths, then it does get complicated. And then complicated breeds complicated to the point where the soup that you live inside of is so messy that the simple things seem complicated yep. or they seem impossible yep. or they seem like the opposite of truth. And that the world that we're in right now I mean, that's about as much of that soup as we could be floating in is, well, what is up? What is right or left when it's all relative, supposedly? It's all subjective. Yep. And, and um, I would well, say, yeah. yeah. Some of the byproduct of that, actually, you'll see, is a, is a culture that begins to be totally enamored with um, more and more meetings. Yeah. And the reason mm -hmm. they have to have so many meetings, I mean, whether it be the evangelical church, whether it be government, I mean, going to government sometime or a church and see how many meetings they have. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is because people are clarifying what they personally, you know, there aren't that many servants that just say, I just want to serve. Yeah. I just go out there and serve. I don't need a meeting to serve. I, I know I need to clean the bathroom. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do that. I, I don't need a meeting for that. And, and you can almost gauge the more meetings there are, the more complicated life becomes. It, it's just not that important. To have all those meetings. If the goal is simple, if it's a target that can be named by the whole group of people that are attending to it, then everything else, including, to your point, the maintenance work, the toilet cleaning, the lawn mowing, even though that's not maybe entirely your job, like in the whole, the whole trajectory of hitting that target, maybe you're the mechanic. So like, no, you don't go and wash dishes. But if that's necessary for the target to be hit and you actually want to hit it alongside of everybody else, then every other thing I mean, optimally requires a lot less meetings for disseminating who has to do what and the other thing because, well, we're trying to hit the target. Does this need to be done? Okay, then let's do that thing. And not to oversimplify yeah. it, but... Well, I've seen leaders, effective leaders, just roll up their sleeves and say, hey, we have to do this. Let's go. Let's. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they go and start doing it. Right. I mean, today as we talk, your dad is the executive director here at camp. I'm the president. He's down there being a lifeguard. Mm -hmm. And I'm on call. I, he can buzz me at any time and say, I need help, and I need to go down there and help him. Mm -hmm. And I, I told him this morning early, I said, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm available if you need me. I'm on the schedule. I'll be glad to do it. Until then, I'll be in here talking with your son, doing whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, no, we're, you're not too big for that. Yeah. I mean, when the people come, we serve, and, and then we serve in between. And that's so easy to figure out. Mm -hmm. In fact, during the summer, we have a real unique model in that, we go meeting on the run, we call it. Hmm. We don't really meet as the directors here in the summer in a formal meeting. We do it on the run. We know who we have to contact. We do it. If, if we have to call a meeting for some reason, we will, but it'll be brief because we're all busy. Because what we're concentrating on in the summer is serving, mm -hmm. not, not meetings. And so we trust each other enough to say, you know what? You and your area, you and your area, make the decisions you need to make. You know when you got to throw it by the rest of us, throw it by us. Mm -hmm. and, and then we'll meet while we're walking from here to there, right before lunch, or do something quick. Because meetings, I think, 
unfortunately, what, what's happened with the self-centered society is we, we all want to make sure that we're heard and people respect us. And, and so how dare anyone make a decision without my input? Right. You know, and it gets to the point where I know guys have quit ministry because in camping in general, we'll leave it there. Um, because they planted a tree somewhere on the property and the board got together and said, that should have been 20 feet over there. And, and you aren't competent because you didn't plant the tree where we as a, you didn't ask us as a board. It's like, really? It's a tree. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, those people are so miserable serving because before they can do anything, they have to have meetings. Right. It seems like with something as innocuous as that, if you've gotten to that point or anywhere on the way to there, like, there has to be that outside objective metric. Just like for you guys working here and able to have meetings on the run, like in many ways, it's not because you guys are necessarily that magical. It's because there is a very specifically named outside metric of what are we trying to do. And it's not based right. on Dave's opinion, Brad's opinion, Dan's opinion. But if it was, or if the entire world was subjective, that would mean that you have to, and then Dan and my dad, and everybody has to show up and put in their two cents to, in many ways, create reality as it would be for that group, which necessitates a lot of tending to and a lot of rechecking in and going, well, according to what I want to do, but I know what Dave's opinion is just as valid because nothing really matters except what we can force with our opinion right. or power. That and can then be, if you don't listen to me, I'm very offended, and you go from there. Yeah. Uh, now, as you take pictures, one of the interesting things for me is that I'm not, I'm not artistic, but I love art, art people and art. I, I love it. I'm just, I can't get it done. I can't even write. I misspell everything. I, you know, my writing's ugly. It doesn't bother me, by the way. I say that I'm not cutting myself down. It's just not something I do well and never have. Mm. Um, however, you know, if let's say you brought, you, you showed me a big spread and I go, oh, that's nice. You know, I, I may not be overly joyed with it. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. I've so had it, to. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to, it shouldn't matter to you because I may not be your target audience for that. Every single day I'm asking myself the question, is what I'm going to do today, is it something that is both viable enough, real enough, important enough that I would go and do it and like give my actual time, my actual energy and all of it, my life, my given, my waking hours and then still have the outcomes miss with people, not resonate with people. I've worked with artists and worked full time with an artist for oh, well over a year, traveling all across the country. And the contrast that I see in at least other artists in how they approach their work is that if the thing that you're doing really is for the gain of attention, for money, for whatever, you are enslaved to the anonymous audience and therefore, well, what will I do with today? I'm not quite sure, except I hope it will appease this thing that right. keeps getting me what I want. That's maddening because inherently you're divorced from whatever it is that you actually think and feel slowly over time before you know it. You're just a shell of you're operating like kind of at the whims of of whatever puppet strings are being pulled. And for me, it's not like the opposite is easy. I took me, you and I were talking for hours the other day and I was talking to my dad about like it's becoming more and more obvious as more time goes on the need to be in connection to God and an outside metric to know that without Dave needing to give me a hug or a slap on the back and go great pictures, like I would like for that to happen. But if it doesn't, am I still going to do the thing? Yeah. Um, and there's, I mean, there's a finite number of reasons well, to keep that going. And here's the freedom for you. The freedom is I, I get to do this, God, and give it to you. Yeah. He's the ultimate one that you want to smile from. No, you know, nobody else. He actually knows your heart. 
He knows why you did it. He understands. So the expression is for him. And if the rest of us get it, fine. But, but if the rest of us don't get it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that's fine too. And in a, in a literally busy, loud world, and I'll say my, a lot of my life in this place, despite all the benefits, is also a lot of noise and a lot of activity. Absolutely. It really wasn't for me until this, the, the driving from New York to LA on my own, shooting photos, where in between that, there was so much margin of quiet space for hours and days, for weeks, six, six and a half weeks. And it was the first time for me where a slow development of what you were just saying, hearing hearing God's voice without hearing a voice. And this has been my lifelong, like, knockdown, knockdown arguments with people, frustrations to go, what do you talk about when you say that God is, you're connected to God, that you're in right. conversation with God? And that was, for me, the first time where I started to feel even an inkling of you've given enough space for that still small voice to show up, name it whatever you want, but to actually have the sense that you did a thing and then something without reference to any other human to go, okay, I have the sense that this was good and that more of it should be done. It's so, it, it immediately dissolves the need for codependency as that grows to go, well, now I can be in communion with people and yet still not need something from them, but benefit when it comes around. Because I know in the midst of it all, no matter if you go away or anybody else, a right. connection to something that doesn't go away. That's, boy, that's amazing. Yeah. And you know what? There's great freedom in that. I, I do uh, three different podcasts. I do a three-minute one, this one, and one called Nighttime. And, and they're, they're all unique. I do it in this studio, and this is my quiet place. This is where I come where nobody else comes. And I can just do it and do it as unto God. I mean, honestly, I just do it. And, I, and, and so... I've had people meet with me and say, well, you, if you did this, 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 you could really get people to listen. I said, not the goal. Mm-hmm. What's the goal? I'm actually doing it to honor God, and I'm, I'm trusting that the people who will actually benefit will turn it on. And that's all I'm doing. And, and there are people that are benefiting and doing it. But I'm really not doing you know, I really don't take the comments very seriously. I don't. You know, it's like, you know what? I'm just trying to have a conversation with you in this case in God's presence, in front of God's people. Because I realize most Christians listen to this, not non-believers. But if, and if they're not, they need to contact me, and I'll gladly talk about things with them. Mm-hmm. However, the, the bottom line really is, okay, nobody has to listen to this. Mm. I'm not. However, there will be some that it resonates with. Right. Your, your pictures, nobody has to look at them, but there will be some. Mm-hmm. And the thing that, that you have to be satisfied with in life is, okay, I'm satisfied with the sum. Yeah. It I'm is s- way more satisfying when you are not only doing the thing that I think is right, but when that is associated to something so much bigger than me, working to be in right relationship. And I'm just, I'm hesitant to say, not to say God, um, but to just to say it in a simple way, because this is also in the real hours and, and, and days of my life, the constant struggle of whatever it is that that is and actually feeling it and knowing it for myself. So I just caution to right. say that it's a simple thing. But when that's happening, it is one of the most amazing things to have that and then go, well, whatever product is out coming out of that relationship and those that might pay attention, I don't have to have any paranoia about is there enough people or too many or interest or whatever. Right. It's an amazing thing to have that. And you know, it's really cool because when you get that, that's the freedom and the truth that God gives you. It really is freedom. And in the process, you know, Zach, you can end up being a millionaire through this. You can end up being a pauper. 
but you've actually left that to God. And, and either way, uh, you are going to be okay. This is Dave with Zach, and we're here in the studios. We're late365.com. You can go download this podcast, and uh, we'll be back. We'll do another uh, session in just a moment. Thank you so much for listening.